Uh, we're going to read the Bible now. Uh, the first reading is from Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come, now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. The second reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm often up at uh, Pierce's Corner at around this time on a Sunday morning, but really good to be with you this morning. And um, yes, we are looking at this kind of question. Well, it's not really a question, it's a statement, isn't it? Jesus is blank over this Easter season. You've probably, hopefully, seen it on uh, some of our, our signs and on these postcards. What's your one word kind of finish of that sentence? Have you got something that stands out in your mind, maybe a couple of words? Or I wonder uh, what you think people around you 
um, and around us who you know, how would they fill in that gap? What would they say? Uh, I don't know if anyone drove past the sign here during the week, um, well, during perhaps Friday night or Saturday morning, but um, some of our neighbours let their thoughts uh, be known to us by graffitiing a word across our sign, which has now been removed. Um, But if you want to know what that word was, maybe talk to me later. Um, But I wonder what word you would use. I wonder what word our neighbours would use. Um, Here's another question, though, uh, that's uh, perhaps interesting as well. How do you think people would um, answer this question? If, If we had the blank was, Christians are, what do you think they would say? Do you think it would be similar to the answer to Jesus is or different? Do you think people would finish that sentence with something positive or negative. Of course, the answer to the Jesus is question is very important. I would say that it is uh, one of the most important questions you can answer, the most important sentences you can complete, because it's a matter of life and death. But how important is this sentence, Christians are? I was looking at some research in the week that said that um, 20% of Australians uh, say that Christians are judgmental. 17% of Australians say Christians are hypocritical. Now, I expect some of that's probably to do with um, how they perceive things and who exactly uh, they're looking at and so on. But I also suspect that there is some disconnect sometimes between who Jesus is and how uh, people who follow him live life. Uh, This is the challenge. How does being a follower of Jesus change us? Does it make an observable difference in life? In this passage uh, today, in uh, this letter to the Thessalonians, Paul is brimming over with thankfulness to God uh, because of what he's done in saving his buddies in Thessalonica, but also in what he's uh, seen and heard of how they've been living and the impact of how they've lived on those around them. And so today, as we sort of tee up for these uh, welcome weeks, this is kind of where we're going, um, if you'd like to know where we're headed. Um, we're uh, looking at uh, a number of, uh, of things, how who we are impacts how we live, and then trying to think about how we might connect those two things. Because as we line up for our welcome weeks, we long for more people to, to fill in this blank with the answer, Lord, right? We want people who we know, people we don't know, people who are part of our suburb to to, to fill in this gap with Jesus is Lord. So, the first thing we're going to talk about is the reality of who we are. And what I want to remind you about is just that being a Christian is really, really good. Uh, That's important to remember uh, because if you're following Jesus, the more and more you realise how good it is, the more keen you'll be for it to flow through your life, the more keen you'll be for uh, people to see you acting as Jesus would act and the less embarrassed you'll be about perhaps people seeing that uh, in our lives. Now, we heard in uh, our first uh, reading in Acts 17 about how this, um, this group of people in Thessalonica had become Christians through Paul and his companions um, uh, sharing the message with them Uh, But then they got kind of run out of town um, pretty quickly after that. And now Paul's writing this letter back to them not too long after, uh, probably from where where he is, probably in Corinth. Um, And he's writing back to them a letter from 
uh, well, it's addressed from Timothy and Silas, or sometimes known as Silvanus, but Timothy and Silas as well. It's not really clear how much they had to do with actually writing the letter. Um, Later on, it kind of goes into I a little bit, first person. It's kind of like one of those uni assignments, I think, where you sort of do a group project and then you all put your names on at the end, but we really know who wrote most of it. I think that was Paul. Um, Anyway, uh, whoever contributed to it, I'm just going to refer to Paul because it's kind of easier for me. But listen to how good it is, uh, Paul says, that they're following Jesus. He starts by describing who he's writing to as the church of the Thessalonians in God uh, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, trusting Jesus as king, it's not just like a life decision uh, that we might make about where to live or what job to do or who to marry or what to do with our spare time. It's hugely significant. It means being connected to the, the God who made the entire universe, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It means being gathered together with other people in an inextricable bond, the church. Paul then explains what he's thankful for about this church in Thessalonica. Verse 3 says, Your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by the Holy... uh, Sorry, inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, love, and hope. Just think of how good each of those is. Faith, having a genuine trust uh, in a God who loves you, so you don't need to be anxious about things that happen in life. Love, knowing that you are deeply loved... Uh, regardless of, of, of when you stuff up and, and having, the, I guess, the goal of, of living that out with others. Hope in the Lord Jesus, knowing that there is a, a, a good life that goes on forever, already seen in the way that Jesus has risen from the dead. At the end of the passage, Paul fleshes out the hope a little more. Um, in verse 9, he says, you know, they are waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. The Christian hope is for Jesus to come back, to to set everything right, to put everything as it actually should be. And that that is a wonderful thing. Uh, But from from our perspective, the vital part is that Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. See, God's wrath is key to Him setting things right. It's key to Him being a good God. His, His wrath is against injustice, against evil. If God wasn't angry about that, if he wasn't committed to destroying those things, then he wouldn't be good. And so, this is amazing because not only will God put things right, something we can't do on our own, but in Jesus, he rescues us from the coming wrath that we deserve for our evil and our injustice. And in the meantime, waiting for that day, Look how good it is to be a Christian. Look what Christians are supposed to be like. In verse 9, they're people who have turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So the Bible says that humans serve something and left to our own devices, we will serve one idol or another. In fact, it's a kind of slavery, whether we're driven by whatever it is, a desire for comfort or for more stuff or for wanting others to like us. Uh, being a Christian means turning from those, being able to turn from things uh, that enslave us to serve the living and true God. Such relief, such freedom. Being a Christian is so good. And so Paul 
gives thanks that the Thessalonians have truly become Christians. He thinks back to sharing the message with them. Have a look in uh, verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. He's thinking back to, to when he sort of was with them and he told them all this. It wasn't just empty words, but God was stirring their hearts to a, a deep conviction that this was the truth through the power of his Holy Spirit. Paul's convinced that all those wonderful pros of following Jesus that we we're talking about, all those things are actually, uh, they're actually true of the Thessalonians. They have those things. Uh, because of how they really chose to follow him. So he's, he's giving thanks. And there's a lot of different kind of concepts in that dense little section, but this is the takeaway. God is very, very good. And being a follower of Jesus is very, very good. And that's why Paul is so thankful. So if you're uh, not a follower of Jesus uh, here this morning, can I highly recommend it? Can I urge it? Uh, it is so, so good. And if you are, can I encourage you to be, uh, to be thankful to God um, who is so good and to really, I guess, embrace it, lean in to following Jesus, commit more and more to it, let it impact more and more of your life. Because it's so good, you won't regret it. Right, so if the fact of being a Christian is, is actually really, really good, then uh, the impact it has on life is important um, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because uh, if this impacts your life, it means it really is real. And secondly, the impact it has on you ripples out to others. See, first, changed lives show that faith is actually real. Uh, we talked about faith, love and hope at the start of the passage, but look what Paul's like, specifically thankful for there. He's, he's thankful for your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Work, labour, and endurance. Uh, these are, I guess, the, the outcomes of those uh, identities, those beliefs. True faith has an effect. It drives you to, to work, to do something, to take your trust of God and what you believe He says about how to live, and then actually change life. True love has an impact. It can't just mean thinking, it has to mean doing. Hope drives endurance that just wouldn't exist without it. And one of the things that I, I love about being part of this church is just seeing how uh, people's lives are impacted by this message, seeing different things that people do, seeing people open up their homes uh, to brothers and sisters who they may not have ever run into socially. Seeing people give up time to help people uh, do things like learn English or help uh, young people on Friday nights. Seeing people step up in their communities to, to lead with deliberately Christian values and attitude. Seeing um, people, and I, I think of like our mission partners, making deliberate decisions about where to live and work. Work, labour and endurance. I mean, in some ways, it's an, it's an obvious point that if you truly believe something, it will impact uh, your decisions and how you speak and your lifestyle and so on. Uh, but it's important too uh, because uh, how, you, how you live affects uh, the world around you. 
You see in verse 5, the way that Paul and his companions lived amongst those in, in Thessalonica backed up their message. And then kind of like a domino effect, the way the people in Thessalonica are living in turn becomes a model for others um, and the way they're, they're living means that the Lord's message rings out from them, like ripples kind of going out in a pond. The way they were living meant that people could see that their lives had been changed and it was obvious to people that they had turned to God from idols and were serving Him, waiting for His Son to return. I wonder if that would be obvious to people uh, as they looked at our church. We, we had sort of a general statement before, Christians are. What about this one? Warunga Anglican is. I wonder if people would, um, would know how to answer that question. I wonder what people would say. What would your friends and family say knowing that, that you come here? What would people on the street say if they know anything about us at all? What would it look like for the Lord's message to ring out from us? We're running a bunch of events in the coming weeks um, and those are great to invite people to who are up to a certain stage of their thinking. Um, but as Andrew challenged us two weeks ago at our combined service, uh, we, followers of Jesus, are supposed to go to people, to, to know people deeply and to have them know us so that the message rings out. What could it look like? I wonder... Uh, if this, this is a bit of a, an imaginary fictional character I've just made up, but just imagine with me for a second what, what it could be like if someone sort of said these kinds of things. Oh, those Christians from Urungo Anglican, you know, I, I have one, I met one at work and they are not uh, kind of like uh, driven by just jumping up the ladder as much as my other colleagues. It's a bit weird, it's a bit weird that. Oh, and then I was in um, Coles the other day and there was a Someone from Warunga Anglican, don't know how they knew that, anyway, someone from Warunga Anglican who, who is clearly not gripped by the idol of efficiency because they stopped their trolley and helped me get something down and asked me how I was going. Okay, that's a bit, rare. That's a bit weird, right? That's probably, and, and I don't think people in some ways are going to verbalise, um, you know, the idols of our hearts and so forth, but imagine if people could notice a difference in how we lived. That's what people have noticed about these Thessalonians. Imagine if people could notice that about people from Arunga Anglican, it could help them connect the dots to the message of Jesus. So what we're going to talk about um, just at, at the end is what we can do to kind of strengthen this connection between who we are and how we live. And I think there's uh, a couple of, I guess, um, approaches that this passage suggests um, how to connect those uh, those things. So the first approach is, is learning how to work out our faith, love and hope, work those three out into our lives. Uh, Paul gives thanks for this work produced by faith. What would it mean for us to more deeply trust God? Let me throw some ideas at you, what that could mean. Perhaps it would mean we, we sort of slowly develop more of a thankfulness through all of our lives for all that we trust we've been given. Perhaps it would mean slowly but surely developing sort of a, a, a deeper resilience in life as we realise that actually God really does have our best at heart no matter what's going on in life. Perhaps it looks like developing a more kind of consistent prayer life over time because you sort of grow in your trust that, that, that God is the one in control and, and not us and that spending time with Him is is more vital than perhaps uh, what it, what, whatever else you could be doing. 
What about labour produced by love? What might that look like? It might be developing how we think uh, more of others and less of ourselves and actually kind of acting on that. It might mean uh, kind of consciously being kind to a person who uh, we actually find very difficult. Perhaps it, it means signing up to serve others in some formal way at, at church or in the community. Or what about endurance produced by hope? Perhaps that means that we, we kind of grow a real joy uh, even through the ups and downs of life because we, we look forward to a great future where the Lord will set things right. Perhaps it means when we get to this point that we approach death with a bit of a, a twinkle in our eye just because we know that resurrection awaits us and we've seen it already in Jesus. Perhaps it means uh, coming for forgiveness again and again with confidence when what we do doesn't really match up with who we are because we know that we have a sure hope of forgiveness. Those are just, uh, I guess, a couple of ideas for, for each of those. How do, how do they grow in us? It's a, it's a long process, I think, a, a lifelong process of, of prayer, self-reflection and of, of, of helping each other. Uh, people who know you well, perhaps you could talk with people uh, in your small group about where they have seen these things growing in you, about seeing uh, where are other places you could connect the dots. Well, the second approach to connect our life with what we believe is to identify and, and, and uh, um, turn from the various idols that still arrest us, things that we place our trust in rather than in God. Are the people in uh, Thessalonica looking in on those Christians? This is how they kind of described them. They said they were people who were defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. It's actually a really good way of looking at it. Who or what is, is king in life? Perhaps it means uh, in social relationships, identifying when you're enslaved to, to wanting to be liked, so you, you say something that you probably shouldn't. Or at work, trying to nut out if you're yearning to achieve is actually to, to fit into a culture and so that's why you perhaps overwork sometimes. It's, it's hard kind of long work and it's only really possible with the input of others but it's so worthwhile because who we are is so good. And so the, the last approach I just wanted to touch on to connect our action to what we believe is to, to imitate well Look at examples of people who are wise and godly, uh, doing things like them, learning from them. Of course, uh, as we read uh, the Gospels, Jesus himself is the ultimate example to follow. Uh, when I was um, younger, there were um, WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelets. They were quite a craze. I don't know if they actually helped though, it was more about fitting in with everyone else. But don't worry about that. Instead, ask the question, what would Jesus actually do in this situation? But there are more examples than him as well. These guys at Thessalonica, they looked at Paul and Silas and Timothy and how they lived among them and imitated them. And then others looked at the Thessalonians. So who, who is a Christian who you really respect? I think 
at a, a service like this is great because we have quite a range of ages of people. Perhaps you could have a conversation with someone who's uh, maybe a life stage ahead of you uh, about how they pray or how they think about work or, 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 or manage money. So have a think, who is someone you can think of uh, whose life you could look at a little harder and maybe deliberately try to copy some aspects of? Because godly role models are a key way for us to learn how to connect what we believe to our lives. And so as we wrap up, we do have these weeks of welcome coming up and hopefully they're an opportunity to build on what our friends and family, what our community has seen already of our lives as we invite them to hear this message, uh, hopefully really clearly. But it doesn't end with those weeks. There's also the the long-term task of conforming our lives to our beliefs, letting our faith our love, our hope, flow out of us, addressing idols of our hearts one by one, serving the Lord instead, imitating godly role models, the task of, of, of letting the message that Jesus is Lord truly ring out from us. And that is a difficult task, but it is truly worthwhile because of the reality of what God has done for us, uh, because of who we are when we trust in Jesus. We're brothers and sisters loved by God, chosen in Him, given peace and grace, freed to serve Him, rescued from wrath. This is a truly good reality, one for which God deserves much praise and thanks. Let me pray. Father, thank You uh, so much that You do love us deeply and have chosen us, that You Uh, save us uh, from serving idols, that you free us to serve you. Thank you that you rescue us through Jesus from uh, the coming wrath. Please, Father, we pray that you would help us to to live out um, who we are in you so that the message of salvation would ring out from us and that many people would fill in that blank with Jesus is Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to